From Bossier City, Louisiana, this is the Grouch and the Brainstorm. And welcome back. My name's Mike, and I'm here with Matt. Say hi, Matt. Hey, guys. And today we have a special guest, another bonus episode, which we love bonus episodes. So um, I'm going to turn it over to Matt, and Matt is going to introduce our guest for today. And uh, go on, Matt. Head so, with it. So uh, this one's pretty special for me because today I get to interview my sponsor, uh, and it's Bobby E. And I'm going to let him kind of just start off with uh, the basics, and we, we sort of jump in and bug him a little bit as we go along. So uh, if he wants to introduce himself and kind of take it from there well i appreciate that my name is bobby of course and uh i'm a little leery of being introduced as special you know there there's good <laughs> special and there's not so good special so that's kind of strange but i know we're here to uh you know talk about alcoholism and and what got us to the rooms of aa but uh you know it's a long story i'm gonna try to keep it short as i can but growing up uh i pretty much did not drink uh not to say that you know, on occasion, I didn't have beer with the guys or in college. I didn't uh, go and get a drink, uh, but but uh, I didn't drink for the most part. Uh, even in my adult life, I would go to some cocktail parties. I may have one glass of wine, um, maybe two. Uh, only did that about three or four times a year. Somewhere at the age of about 45 years old, I'm 62 now, uh, things changed. Uh really can't lay my finger on exactly what changed i've always had them in my in my mind that kind of my kids were reaching adulthood and i thought you know it's time for me to uh, i've been the the son i've been the businessman i've been the, the father i've been the husband it's time for me to enjoy life and have fun so i started drinking uh a little more i started out with uh uh, frozen uh, margaritas from a place uh, not far down from my, my house and I would stop in I would get the, the largest one they had I don't even remember what size it was and uh, I would go home and I'd drink about one third of it and then I'd put the rest of it in the freezer and then the next day I would drink about one third of it put it in the freezer the next day and that went on for a while until one third became one half and then one half became the whole drink in a night and uh was started uh getting away from from that and saying i need a little bit more than than just a margarita and uh i started buying uh vodka and uh drinking it uh at the house i did most of my drinking at the house uh and then uh just kind of went from there had a pause in uh, uh, 2010. I was 49 years old. I got deployed to Iraq. And when you're deployed uh, in a Muslim com- country, you're not allowed to drink for the most part. And so I was away from alcohol. They didn't have alcohol. You, c- you couldn't buy alcohol. I was away from it for a year. It didn't bother me. It, did, it wasn't, wasn't an issue. And uh, I came back home uh, from that deployment in uh, December of uh, 2010. And uh, for whatever reason, when I came back home, I didn't fit back in like I had left. Had a hard time integrating back into society. People had been doing my job. You know, my wife had been raising my kids. Uh, You know, somebody else had been doing the yard work. Uh, And not that 
they didn't want to give those things up. It just I wasn't sure how to take them back, I guess, if you will. And uh, as a result of that, I started drinking more and uh, uh, got a divorce in uh, 2012, uh, bought a house and was kind of on my own. And I think that's when it really progressed. I started buying uh, Jack Daniels uh, by the half gallon. And I was one of those guys I didn't want to ever run out. So when I went to buy Jack Daniels, I always bought two half gallons. I may have two in the in the in the uh, hole in the hole but i <laughs> want to make sure that that i didn't run out so uh and, and i was drinking every night you know it got to be about you know one third jack and uh the rest sprite and it ended up where i was drinking uh you know mostly jack daniels with just a splash of sprite in it and uh people would ask me well how much did you have drink last night i'd say well just one well, it was a 32-ounce one, and, uh, and uh, you know, I started having blackouts, uh, would not remember going to bed, uh, you know, and wake up the next morning. Normally didn't feel too bad when I woke up and uh, would start my day and, and, and go from there. And, uh, you know, things progressed, and I started slipping home at lunch and, you know, getting a drink to take the edge off yeah. and i would say i'm not going to drink before eight o'clock at night yeah. and then that back up to seven and then that would back up to six and and things like that so it was a, a progressive thing and uh kind of my uh pinnacle of everything was in 2015 uh i had a conference and just so happened the conference was in my hometown and so uh I had told my wife on this particular one day was kind of a light meeting day and it was a lot of vendor stuff and then the vendor if you did business with them took you out to dinner later that night and I told her I said I'm gonna I'm gonna drink pretty heavily during the day so tonight you're gonna be the driver and uh and that plan went well I started in the morning with with several bloody Marys I went home I cut the grass I had a drink while I was cutting the grass I went back uh, to my wife's, my current wife's parents' house to pick her up. Had a drink on the way back there. Uh, she got there. Uh, we, you know, got ready and uh, climbed in the truck. She was driving. I was in the passenger seat, and uh, we went to a, a, a nice steakhouse where the event was going to be. Uh, went in. I was pretty well toasted at that point in time. Uh, drank wine while I was there and just for me a combination of whiskey and wine was always a blackout uh never never failed the last thing I remember was uh climbing into the passenger seat of the vehicle uh to to go home and the next thing I remember was brake lights on a vehicle in front of us coming on brake squealing and hitting the vehicle in front of us and it kind of jarred me out of my my blackout and when I jarred out of my blackout, I'm sitting behind the steering wheel of the truck, and my wife is nowhere in the vehicle. Mm. Mm. So apparently we'd gotten to, back to her uh, parents' house, and she was going to drive, and I said, no, I'm capable of driving. And she was not willing to stand up to me at that moment in time and shouldn't have been. And I climbed in the truck and headed on down the road and had a fender bender. And when you have a fender bender and you're – highly intoxicated the police always come and it always ends up uh not so good so i got arrested that night and carried off and bailed out had to go back to the conference the next morning 
by that time, most people there knew what had happened and, uh, you know, had to face the embarrassment and all that. But I didn't learn my lesson. Uh, I kept drinking pretty heavily. Uh, you know, had to have the uh, uh, the machine in my vehicle to uh, to crank it. And, That's a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'd, I'd go and drink pretty heavily and have to wait until my blood alcohol level got low enough that I could blow in it and and go and uh i remember one particular time and it was another pinnacle on my my deal we had gone to lafayette or baton rouge baton rouge it was for a a a meeting my wife had and uh kind of the same thing i drank a lot during the day we had a dinner event that night i mixed wine uh we got back to the hotel she said she was going to visit with some of her friends i said i'm gonna go back to the room and watch tv i went back had a had a pretty good drink uh, blacked out, fell asleep, don't remember her coming in. And somewhere in the middle of the night, I had to get up and go to the restroom. And as I entered into the restroom, I tripped and fell. And if I would have had a sledgehammer, I could not have destroyed the toilet any more than I did. So you I cracked I, the porcelain? I cracked it all. Oh, cracked nice. the porcelain, the bowl, uh, everything. Your head? And, uh, my, with my head, my chest. And, uh, you know, my wife is standing over me and i'm like a fish on a wet floor you know floundering uh trying to get up and somewhere in that moment in time i blacked out again and so i really don't remember what happened but somewhere between that moment and the next morning my wife got the water cut off got our room changed and moved us to a different room in the hotel she said that uh she had to put me on a luggage cart to get me down to the next room, and I was doing a beauty pageant wave as I was going down the hall. Uh, and only picture that. Yeah, yeah. Always and, a smart-ass alcoholic. And, yeah. and, and, you know, what's funny is it, it was a room on the opposite side of the hall, so obviously the bed was in a different position. So I woke up the next morning, I knew something was strange, but I wasn't quite sure what it was. And, uh, you know, she and I laughed it off. Uh, you know, I know now that, she was laughing on the outside but wasn't laughing on the inside and mm. and kind of thing and uh my liver levels kept getting worse and worse and at one point i had a liver biopsy and uh is that painful uh yeah yes and no they numb it but it's not not terribly painful it the if you look at the needle you you're going it's going to be painful about the size of a pencil uh yeah it's big i've, I've been threatened with one. yeah it's big and it's long and it's uh it's scary, but they did the biopsy, and you know, a week or two later, I get a letter in the mail from the doctor that did it, and I don't remember how many things that it had on it, but it had about ten things on it that that I needed to do because my my liver uh, was fatty and uh, you know starting cirrhosis and and things like that. And number one thing on that list was stop drinking, and under that may have been like eat better diet, exercise more, you know. Uh, you know get more sun or something like that and i was like well you know they really don't mean number one so i'll do number two three four five if i do the others yeah number I, one more sun, yeah so. but you know if i do the other eight then <laughs> you know i do eight out of nine i should be good um i think that 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 moment kind of put a fear into my wife uh that she realized you know that it was more serious and that uh you know seriousness serious that it could lead to death at some point 
if something wasn't done. So it was uh, April the 9th of uh, 2017. It was a uh, uh, Sunday afternoon, and uh, we'd got up and we'd gone to church, uh, gone to a Mexican restaurant that we normally go to, and I'd had a margarita just like we do every time. We came back home, and uh, I'd fixed myself a glass of water, uh, believe it or not, no, no alcohol sat down in my chair to watch the masters the masters was coming on and i was about 20 minutes into it my my brother walked around the corner into the living room and i'm my mind is thinking you know what is my brother doing here he doesn't just normally stop in and visit he lives uh on a in a different town uh pretty good ways from me but anyway behind him was another guy i didn't recognize and then behind them was three or four other people, people that were friends of mine, people that I'd worked with or do work with and uh, and all that. And they sat in the living room and did an intervention. And uh, I remember, well, the, the guy that I didn't know was the, the, the person leading the intervention. And he asked me to listen to what everybody said and not interject anything. And... Uh, so I told him I would, and uh, they went around the room and, and, and said their piece, and uh, they didn't hold anything back. But I remember thinking, you know, like when my wife talked, you know, this is what you need to do, and if you don't do this, I'm going to do this and all that. And I'm thinking in my mind, that's fine. You're, we're going to be divorced in a week anyway, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. and I got to one of my employees, and they said their piece, and I'm like, no, oh, that's fine, but it really doesn't matter because you're going to be fired tomorrow. So uh you know and uh, a friend and i thinking you know i'm not going hunting or fishing with you anymore and and that kind of stuff but when it got to the end the the, the guy doing the intervention said we've got a bed for you are you willing to go and i hopped up and said yes i don't i don't know why i said yes i think that i was still processing in my mind trying to figure out a way out of this thing uh to get around it and uh and all that and uh I said, you know, who's taking me? And it was going to be my wife and my brother. And uh, so I started to my bedroom, and, and they asked me, so where are you going? I said, well, I'm going to my bedroom to pack pack some stuff. And they said, oh, no, the car's already packed and ready to go. Now, I, I had no clue when she packed, how she packed, anything like that. Uh, I don't think I asked. We got on the road, started down the highway, and, uh, you know, and I'm still thinking in my mind, how am I going to get out of this? What am I going to do? And I was being very superficial. Uh, who's winning the Masters? You yeah. know. Uh, well, that would be first thing on my mind. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, boy, isn't that a pretty tree right there? We just passed because <laughs> I really didn't know what to say or do. And it was about a two-hour drive. You headed and, out east, right? Uh, headed out east. Yeah. yeah, the eastern part of the state. And uh, we pull up, and they check me in and uh you know they do all the stuff and my my brother and my wife are sitting in the room while they're checking me in i can see them whispering to each other and i i can't hear what they're saying and and uh i didn't find out till later because uh, i was answering all the questions and agreeing to everything and all that and i asked them i said what were you what were y'all talking about and they said we were we had no clue it was going to be this easy. We thought sooner or later you were going to break off and it was going to be game on. And <laughs> This is a classic TV intervention. Yes. It's just yeah. like something you see on, on intervention. Sure. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, uh, obviously, I got to the treatment center and, uh, you know, got my stuff moved in. I was in a cabin with seven other people, uh, you know, didn't know what was going to happen, how it was going to happen. And uh, I just – 
started doing the deal and uh you know after about probably about a month is when the haze kind of cleared a little bit and i realized yes i am alcoholic i do need help and uh and i decided at that moment in time because i thought they tricked me they told me i was going to only be there 30 days and uh and i could i could have left anytime i wanted to uh and when i told my counselor that uh she kind of berated me uh what do you know about alcoholism and and all that so when my 30 days got up and obviously insurance ended uh the first person i went to was my counselor and said what do you think i ought to do and she said i think you need to stay for a full 90 days yeah so i chose to stay for a full 90 days and and the the 90 days at that place takes you from step one all the way through step five and that's when you kind of complete everything and so i did that came back home and kind of settled into life of course you know uh, when you're in a treatment center you you do get passes from time to time you can go out one of the criteria is you have to go to aa meetings get slip signed i, I did all that i came to the qual club did y'all do external meetings over in that area oh yeah you know uh, sometimes external always internal and sometimes yeah. external people came to the internal meeting gotcha you know so uh uh it's a little different uh than we do you know at at a normal AA meeting a lot of chanting going on you know while they read how it works and yeah kind of like we hear sometimes yeah, when like, a treatment center yeah that's comes. right that's right and so you know did the deal came back home and settled into uh a life and started you know working the steps uh the guy I asked to be my sponsor was actually one of those eight people in the room at my house that day. During the intervention. During the intervention. Well, and uh, I was glad he was there and I asked him to, to be my sponsor, and he agreed. He's got probably 28, 29 years today sober, and uh, and he and I just started working the steps. He asked me a lot of times to go to meetings that – I didn't necessarily want to, uh, you know, long way from my house, but they were, they were step studies or they were big book studies, yeah. stuff I wasn't going to get in the normal course of an AA type deal, and um, you know, I was glad I did, and it it uh, built a bond, and uh, you know, he's still my sponsor today. So, okay, so uh, so this guy that is your sponsor, how, how long have you been sober, Bob? I've been sober a little over six years. Okay. Six years on April the 10th. And he's been your sponsor since day he's one. He's been my sponsor since day one. And he was at your intervention. And he was at my intervention, yes. So I guess my, my biggest question is, has he seen a change in you, Bobby? He he says he has, you know, and you can only take them at, at, at their word. You know, he he and I don't talk every day, uh, but we, we talk when we need to talk. And, uh if if I'm working with a sponsee and I get in a tough situation where I'm not sure what the answer is, then I'll I'll bounce him off of him the situation and and we'll go back and forth and and kind of figure out a game plan and you know sometimes he has to say, hey, I'm gonna have to get back with you because I'm gonna have to call my sponsor and yeah. and see what they think. So so um, we go back. Were you born here? I uh, I was born in 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 a town right across the river because there were no hospitals here. Okay, and uh, but you're from North Louisiana. I am from North Louisiana. Been here all my life. Okay, so there's no uh, no external stuff there. No. So you know, obviously, we talked a little bit about you know the the drinking and the progression of drinking and 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 the mixing sprite with whiskey kind of threw me off just a little bit. Um, 
what was your relationship like going into recovery not not being sober no dad let's just say i haven't even went to the uh the treatment center yet what was your relationship like with your immediate family wife and children um you know uh, when you're an alcoholic you think everything is wonderful and and looking back on it now you know my kids weren't at the house much they didn't bring any of their friends to the house because they did they weren't sure if they showed up was it going to be the the sober bobby or the drunk bobby absolutely and uh you know while at the moment my marriage seemed great and and we were doing good things and all that looking back on it now uh you know it was not as good as i thought it was and uh it was putting a big strain on her uh that she didn't know how to voice or how to do anything about and uh so you know she reached out to this group of people that agreed to do an intervention and you know that's really unusual because you know a lot of people find themselves in the situation and a a spouse or significant other needs help and they can't find anybody to help them but she was able to so i got a question with with i know how mine was uh as i progressed along but you talked about the early drinking and then the d the dui and the wreck and then you went to treatment how long a period of time was that before between those two it was about a two-year period so okay that's my question is was there anywhere along in your mind that you thought i got a problem even if you wouldn't admit it to nobody else or you know was it ever a thought of that or did you just not really um i i don't remember ever thinking that you know what's funny and you talk about the, the the dui is you know after that happened i had lots of people lots of people that that would pat me on the back and say keep your head up you know this too shall pass or could have been me on any given night or or stuff like that and and when i when i say uh you know 40 50 60 people i'm not exaggerating it was a lot of people that that told me that i had one person call me and say hey uh i think you got a problem and would you agree to go to a AA meeting with me? And I agreed uh, to go to an AA meeting, and that person was the person that's my sponsor. Yeah. You know, and so I went to an AA meeting and with him and, and did, did the deal, and uh, I even spoke at that first AA meeting. I didn't identify as an alcoholic, but I did speak. Uh, but once I left that meeting, I was like, okay, I obligated I'd go to one meeting. I did go to one meeting, and I'm done. So, you know, I, I did what I committed the to. Box. Yeah, I checked the box and out of there. Kind of get rid of shared. it. That's pretty good. Get rid yeah. of those back problems. That's right. Bit. That's yeah, right. Do you remember what them. you shared? I do not, and I don't remember why I shared. I don't remember if they called on me to share or it was like a, a round table. and when it got to me, you know, I was up, and so I had to – say something i have no clue what i shared well the thing too that um that you know we we do this and we started this bonus thing because so many people's stories are so different and we're hoping that newer people just just like you're talking about your wife or somebody like that out there that doesn't really know where to get help or or is unfamiliar with it that maybe they can hear one of these and it'll spur them along or help them out but um uh what's what 
I think with you and with everybody that we've talked to so far, so you're my sponsor. Yes. Uh, you got sober. You you do you do everything in the program that that they tell all of us to do. Um, to the best of my ability. To, and you you do a pretty good job of it. Well, in my know. humble opinion. I don't know but, about that. Well, I do. You got to remember um, his opinion's humble. Yeah. That's right. Always yeah. humble. That's you know? right. Uh, I I said earlier I don't have any character defects that I can think of. So. Um, but, I'll give you a list after this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> me too. You'll be texting me while we're on there. That's right. <laughs> no, um, but I know that you work with me. You work with a couple other guys that we're we're all pretty tight. How is that for you? As far as as you go along, how has that part been for you? It it it's been great. I like working with people. You know, uh, and when I when I first got sober, um, and I can remember it like it was yesterday. I was a little bit less than a year sober. I was about. 11 months sober i was at a meeting my wife was there and uh and you know we had the meeting and there was a guy there that was his very first day at aa and he he obviously he had the jitters i don't know if he'd been drinking or using that day but he was pretty wound up and he was emotional and and everything like that and as we do in aa uh you know we we wrote everybody wrote their numbers on an index card and uh you know, I just wrote Bobby E and my number just like everybody else does. And it was a Saturday. I remember it well. And uh, we went home, and uh, and we were laying in bed that night, and I told my wife, I said, uh, that guy is going to call me. And she said, you think? I said, I don't know why I think that, but I think he, he's going to call me. So we went to bed. The next morning was Sunday morning. We got up, got ready for church. And as I was walking out the door, just as my hand hit the doorknob to step outside, my phone rang, and it was him. And uh, he was in a in a bad way and asked me if I could come uh, visit with him. And he lived probably 60, 70 miles from where I lived. Yeah. And I told my wife, I said, you got to go to church. I got to go deal with this. And uh, so I, I hopped in the truck and took off and uh, started trying to call people that i go to meetings with try to find somebody to go with me because uh, i was new but i was not new enough to not know i needed to not be alone right. in this deal and i couldn't get anybody uh nobody was answering the phone and all of a sudden this light bulb went off and uh and i called my sponsor and uh and i said hey i've got this guy that wants me to meet with him and uh, is there any way that you can could couldn't meet us and it, he said it just so happens i'm on that side of town and uh yeah i'll meet you there and it was a nasty rainy day i pulled up in the driveway the guy was sitting on the on, on the front porch of this mobile home out in the middle of nowhere and uh shaking and smoking and and all that and not long after i got there my sponsor got there and we sat there and we talked uh about aa and ways he could he could work the program and things like that and we kind of got towards the end when it was getting wrapped up and he turned to me and he said will you be my sponsor and of course i'm shy of a year i had worked all the steps uh so i turned and i looked at my sponsor <laughs> you know and he shook his head yes and uh, i said okay i'll be your sponsor what well, just so happened that the the guy was scheduled to go to a treatment facility that next day the next morning and uh so we uh he 
was telling me how he was going to get there. I said, I tell you what, won't you let me take you? And he, he agreed. And uh, so I had to get up about 4 o'clock in the morning, drive all the way to where he was, pick him up and drive. It was about an hour and a half trip, not the same place I went to, but close. Uh, about an hour, hour and a half trip. And we drove all the way over there. And I remember when we took the exit to go to the facility off the interstate, he turned and looked at me and said, is there any way we can stop and get a drink? Let me get a drink. And I said, you know, I'd, I'd prefer not to, and uh, let's just get you there. It's going to be all right. And I got him there, got him checked in, uh, went to visit him several times uh, through, uh, through all that, uh, got him to about four years sober, and then he disappeared on me. And uh, I haven't talked to him since. Matter of fact, Mike, you have met him. I, I think I've actually, you know, thinking back, I think I was at that meeting that Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. Well, and he and I wandered into your place of employment. I remember one day. that day I seen you guys in there. Yep. Um, and that was one of the visits that I'd gone over there to see him. But not long after that, uh, and I can't exactly remember the more order, I think Matt was next. Uh, Matt had had been new to the program and he asked me to sponsor him and I agreed and then not long after that uh, a guy that actually had been in the program for about a year but didn't have a sponsor uh, Cal asked me to sponsor him and I agreed to that Uh, I learned a lot through that first few years and you know in meetings when we're asked if anybody's willing to sponsor please raise your hand there's times I raise my hand and there's times I don't raise my hand. And and the reason is, for me personally, if I'm active working the steps with one person, that's all I need. I, I don't want to spread myself too thin. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to me. And uh, that first couple of years was, was kind of a struggle because I had three fairly new guys I was active in the steps with and one of them was living about an hour and a half way oh yeah yeah so I was having to go over there but I got through it uh still from time to time even though I don't raise my hand people ask me to sponsor them and I'll either you know agree or not agree most of the time I tell them look let me be your temporary sponsor and sometimes I think I told Matt that and here we are uh, five years later. Still and he, temporary, he's bro. still my temporary sponsee. So. He's still my temporary friend. That's <laughs> it's day right. to day. That's how I live my whole life. That's it's right. temporary. But, We're on a temporary basis. You know, working the program, I, I, I would love to sit here and say that I go to a meeting seven days a week. I do not. Uh, I, I typically now try to take Saturday and Sunday off uh, to spend time, you know, uh, doing things I enjoy, which is family, church, uh, obviously, I like to fish a lot and, and you know, yard work, things that you've got to do in life to get by. But uh, most of the other time, I, I, I try to be at uh, the meeting we go to uh, and be there as much as possible and, and try to participate uh, when I can. You know, we were, we were talking a little bit before this, you know, kind of things kind of got off track at the meeting tonight and several of the people turned and looked at me like, handle this and i was like <laughs> what do you want me to do you yeah know, kind of thing yeah. nobody's in charge nobody's in charge but after a while i kind of interjected and 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 got it back on course a little bit and then it got back off course again but can't do nothing about that and you know it's not 
everybody is not my sponsor so i i don't you know if they're not doing something i don't like i just brush it off and move on down the road and 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 let them deal with it so well there's been there's been it's funny you said that about um you know you taking saturday and sunday off and you doing things and i think i think we get and everybody has their own way of doing it there's no you know set in stone way um but i was early in sobriety you may not even remember this but um telling me this but i had a I was doing, you know, going to meeting every day, and I probably had less than a year. And I remember Landry, my son, started playing. I think he was playing football. Yes. And you called me one night, and you said, hey, you didn't go to – where were you or something? You know, and I said, man, my son had a football tonight. I couldn't make it. And you said, do you remember what you told me? You said, no. that's the same as a meeting to me. If you're out there coaching your son, that's what we're here to do. I didn't tell you said, to put a life. rock in your pocket? No, you didn't. That came later. Oh, okay. You know, it came later. That's one of those character defects I don't have. That Matt ever falls up. in the lake. He's sinking straight, I'm, to, I'm, the I'm straight to the bottom. I'm and, drowned. And, you know, it's funny that, that you, you know, just because you don't go to a meeting, you don't – doesn't mean you're working AA. And I, I, I'll give this example, very real example, just happened. Uh, Sunday is kind of – a, a big day for me i typically uh get up me and my wife go to church uh we go and eat lunch uh, i'll take her to do the grocery shopping for the day uh but i always have fishing on my mind yeah you know if i can get home in time then i'm gonna go fishing and this past sunday was was no different we got everything done and i i, I told her that uh you know i'm gonna get home i got i got some yard work i need to do and i just I got to do it, but you know the day it, the kind of day it is. I I, I want to be fishing before this day's out, and so got home, got everything unloaded. I walked out to my truck uh, to do something, and my phone rang, and I looked down, and I didn't, you know, the the name didn't pop up, but the place popped up uh, of where they was calling from, and I knew that it was a guy in treatment. And so I answered the phone, and I talked to him uh, for a little while and asked him how it was going and what all that, and, and, and we chit-chatted. And I ended that phone call, uh, got my tools together to do my little bit of yard work, and as I'm getting ready to start that, I get a text. And I look down, and this guy asked me if I'm going to be at the meeting tonight on a Sunday night. N not a normal night I go. And uh, I was like, if you need me to be there, I will be there. And uh, he said, no, no, I was just checking to see if you were going to be there. And and uh, I, I said, okay. And this is a guy that just came out of treatment uh, for about 90 days. And I think Sunday was his first day back. Mm. And uh, and uh, and so he kind of gave me a pass. And, uh, and, you know, being selfish, I took the pass and said, okay, well, <laughs> if you don't need me there, I'm not coming. But you know how we are. We're not truthful. He probably really did need me there. And then no sooner than I got off the phone with him, I, I get this text from a guy I know. He was at the meeting tonight, and it was, I can't go on with this drinking. It's killing me. What do I do? And uh, so I sat down on my front porch, and, and he and I had text exchange. I said, if you're ready to get serious, then, you know, you need to get to meetings, and you need to start working the steps. And uh I told him, I said, I'll be there tomorrow night. You're going to be there. And uh, he said he would. And uh, 
and so when Monday came, uh, and I did end up going fishing uh, Sunday evening, but when Monday came, I, I texted him. I said, you're going to be there tonight? And he said, man, I'm not going to make it. I'm, I'm stuck in the bathroom, still sick yeah. uh, from, from drinking and all that. But today is uh, Tuesday, and he showed up tonight, and he picked up a desire chip. Right. So. There you go. Yeah, that's uh, that's what it's all about. Yep. yep. My funny, funny story, and I'll be real quick. We're about to shut it off. Um, you know, you you sponsor Matt. Matt talked on the podcast about carrying a rock, you know, mm-hmm. and and the purpose of carrying that rock. And sure. The next day, I asked my daughter, will you just listen to my podcast? I need to see somebody listening to my podcast, you know. And, mm-hmm. and, and um, a couple days later, she calls me and says, you know, I don't know about all that stuff. She's not an alcoholic, but she calls me and says, I don't know about all that stuff, but I really like the rock thing. I'm <laughs> yeah. going to really try that rock thing. So last question, and, uh, and we can be brief or long, but uh, how's life today, Bobby? Life is good, and, you know, uh, uh, I love life. I, I live life. I try not to let things aggravate me, you know, and and, and really, it, it if you will, it goes back to that rock. Uh, and, and the way I got started on the rock was in the treatment center I was in. At the end of each meeting, they asked if anybody had a resentment. And if you had a resentment, for anybody, anything, anyone, any corporation, anything, you needed to get up and get a resentment rock. And, you know, there was nothing special about those rocks. They were just the rocks that were out in the parking lot that they, yeah. you know, gathered up and brought in. And and from time to time, I would go pick up one of those rocks. And uh, I was taught in treatment that you, you get the rock, you pray uh, for that situation, that person, whoever, for two weeks. And then when you're done, you throw the rock in the bayou that was right there and let it go. And uh, and that's how I came to that, uh, of telling Matt, you know, it, he hates it when he's talking to me and I start looking around the parking lot for a <laughs> rock. But there's one rock that I have never gotten rid of. It is still with me uh, to this day. And uh, it's about the size of maybe a ping pong ball. And it has two letters on it, M-E, me. Yeah. And uh, that's because I still have a, uh, a deep resentment against myself for all the damage I had done. And I, I, I keep that rock is always close somewhere. Sometimes it's in a drawer at work. Sometimes it's in a drawer at my house. Sometimes it's sitting on my nightstand where just in the normal course of business, you know, I open that drawer and I look down and I see me on there, and I realize that I need to always be working on me. I can't work on other people, but uh, life is good. You know, we talk about character defects today, and those, you know, they're like uh, uh, dryer sheets. You never know when they're going to pop up. You know, mm-hmm. you put a shirt on, you like something's funny, and there's a dryer sheet hanging inside it. Mm-hmm. Feel something so, under your arm. That's right, and you know that. And I displayed it Sunday was one of those character defects that I always have trouble with is selfishness. And, you know, I wanted to go fishing, and I didn't want anything to interfere with that. And uh, I was being selfish about that. And, and I, you know, I, I'm willing to give my character defects to God. And for what that means to me is that when I'm in those defects, God lets me know that I'm in them. 
And so I, I can realize it's me, like it's on the rock, and not some external uh, circumstance that's causing this problem, but it's it's all me, and then I can work on that character defect, you know, and, and you know, I felt bad and said a little prayer about being so selfish, you know, uh, 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 Sunday, but I took them at the word, but what I should have done was got up and gone to a meeting and, and uh, been with a guy that was his first day out of treatment. That's what I should have done. Probably should have gone picked up the other guy and Pop took him with me. But, you know, uh, if you truly practice the program, if you want to, you can do this stuff 24 hours a day. Yeah. You know, there's plenty yeah. of us out there. Yep. Yep. Well, you've definitely you've definitely helped me and and that that little story I told you about the practice uh you know, it kind of shifted my focus to go, what are we doing all this for? Why are we at meetings all the time? Yeah, we want to help other people, but we want our families and people around us. you got a rock says ME. Well, there's a me over here too. And and I've had a bunch of them that's had to put up with a lot of stuff, and they deserve a little better, you know, and that's why, um, you know, we do this stuff we do. Well, and it's, you know, uh, the, the me and the selfishness, you know, and you're talking about the football game and all that. You know, one time I put my selfishness aside, and I believe I came to one of y'all's games, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it wasn't anything other than to support you and support your, your kids and your nephews and, and things like that. And that's that's what the program is about is giving up me and giving up giving to others uh, so that they can find a path to uh, sobriety. Yep. Well, I'm I'm super super grateful and thank you for doing this. It's kind of a a good one for me. I I was glad to get you in here, and I know you you say you're selfish, but I know you really didn't want to do this, but you did it anyway. Yeah, thank well, you, Bobby. When when is the paycheck coming? Uh, I'm Mike's Mike handles that. Okay. I gotta go. Yeah, uh, wait till the accountant yeah, remembers the royalties. So. <laughs> there you go, Bobby. Appreciate you coming by. All right, my pleasure. All right, good night.